Hello and welcome to Dealcast, the weekly M&A podcast presented to you by Merger Market and SS&C Intralinks. I'm Juliana Needham. I'm a business journalist who's been covering M&A for a decade. Now, ECM activity globally hasn't had a good 2023 so far, but what's the picture in the US? To find out, I'm joined by Troy Hooper, who's head of pre-event equity capital markets for Merger Market in the US. Hi, Troy. Thanks for joining me today. Hi, good to talk to you. So can you talk through how the US ECM market performed in the first half of 2023, please? Yeah, so um, the first half of the year was um, pretty slow. It kind of continued the trend that we saw in 2022. Um, We have not seen a lot of uh, activity uh, on the equity capital markets um, really for the last 18 months. Um, Even though we had a a rally in the stock markets beginning last fall in in October of 2022, um, we haven't we haven't seen that feed through the equity capital market markets issuance. Um, so the volumes in the first half were, you know, really uh, kind of on par with what we were seeing last year, which was uh, pretty grim. And can you give us some kind of comparison of how the US ECM market compared to the global market for the first half of the year, please? Yeah, so the, the US stock indices really uh, have had a nice rally. Um, and that. Um, has spurred some deal making in the U.S. Uh, it has been it has it has fared better than other parts of the world, um, but still on a relative basis historically, uh, the U.S. markets are also down. And can you explain why that is, please? Yeah, it's you know um, there's a, a storm of of bad news that has has hit the market really um, for the last eighteen months or so. It 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 it's um you know there's many factors but you could uh the main things to point to really would be the the rising interest rates um runaway inflation the war in ukraine on uh, just geopolitical instability has caused a lot of businesses and investors to pull back uh reevaluate you know wh- where they're placing their investments and um the higher interest rates have, have also caused um or has also created the higher interest rates have also created an opportunity for investors to put their money uh, somewhere other than the equity capital markets. So fixed income has seen uh, a boost from that. You can you can get a nice return, a nice yield just by um, you know keeping your 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 cash uh, you know out of the stock market and 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 to either fixed income instruments or simply in uh, money market funds. So that's created a lot of competition for ECM. Um, and, uh, you know, there's most, most of the, um, analysts are, you know, think, think that will continue to weigh on the market. Great. Thank you. And can you explain what drove the little deal making that did happen in the US ECM market and why? Yeah. Follow on offerings and convertible debt deals were the the bright spots in the US ECM market. And um, that was for a a couple of reasons. Uh, Secondary offerings were especially popular. Uh, Secondary offerings are a type of follow-on. 
And uh, they were popular because they provide liquidity to investors while also allowing companies to strengthen their shareholder base without dilution. So uh, it was a good way uh, to provide, you know, liquidity to investors, let, you know, kind of roll over some of their shareholder bases, you know, without creating dilution. Um, some companies did do primary follow-on offerings in which they raised capital, did create a little bit of dilution. And those companies are ones that were operating from a position of strength. Uh, either their, you know, their stocks had already performed well uh, in the market. And most of those were uh, companies that executed IPOs you know, in the last year or two. So they still had some stock to issue uh, without um, diluting the shareholder base too much. And then in terms of convertible bonds, um, they've historically been a, provided a, a measure of safety to the issuers because uh, the issuers are able to secure debt at a discount and um, the convertible bonds then provide an upside for investors who can profit from a combination of both a fixed income and an equity strategy. Thanks. And you mentioned IPOs then, and you ran through some of those macroeconomic and geopolitical factors that have affected the ECM market, both in the US and more broadly. But can you go into a bit more detail about why there were so few IPOs and explain whether the IPO window is still considered closed, please? Yeah, IPOs have long been the bellwether for the ECM markets. And they've really been the largest casualty of the rising interest rates um, and the inflationary environment that we've seen. Investors have been able to put their money to work in fixed income and in cash um, and, and find safer places to put their money. So um, there hasn't been there hadn't been much investor demand in 2022 and in the beginning of this year for new issuance. Um, <clears throat> that said, uh, we have we have started to see some IPOs uh, show um, be successful, uh, namely the Kinview IPO. Uh, Kinview is a consumer health spinoff of Johnson and Johnson, uh, so it was an established business that has that generates a lot of cash. It's profitable. It had a very successful IPO in the U.S. Um, in the second quarter of this year. And that, that really provided some optimism for other issuers. And then we saw um, a restaurant chain called Kava Group. It's a Mediterranean fast casual uh, restaurant chain here in the U.S. And they had an IPO after the Kinview IPO that also did very well. In fact, uh, the stock price doubled in the, the first day of, of, um, of its market debut. What's interesting about the Kava IPO is unlike Kinview, it's not profitable. It's, um, it's really a high growth story uh, that really kind of the high growth investment thesis took a big hit in 2022 and uh, so far this year. But the, the Kava group kind of turned that around a bit. Uh, it showed that there, there now is some investor demand for a good growth story and a promising business. So. Kava and Kinview have been two of the bright spots in the IPO um, market. And that, and that now has led to more companies considering uh, IPOs. Um, the most recent IPO, um, as of the date of this recording, is Oddity. It's um, a beauty and wellness company that uses artificial intelligence 
to develop uh, cosmetics, and it it had a nice 35% pop on its first day of trading. And can you give us an idea of how large those IPOs were, please? Yes, the uh, Kenview IPO was the largest. In fact, it was the largest um, equity capital market deal in the U.S. year to date. Kenview raised north of $4 billion in its IPO. Um, it's currently trading at a market cap of about $47 billion. So it's a, it's a very large company. Um, now, if you look at the rest of the, the largest ECM deals year to date, there are no other IPOs that made the list. They're all follow-ons and uh, convertible debt deals. Um, but the other IPOs uh, that I mentioned would be Oddity. They raised um, about $425 million in, their, in its IPO. And Cobb Group, the Mediterranean restaurant chain, they raised about three, just a little bit more than $300 million in their IPO. And that was at a $2.5 billion valuation. Thank you. And you've mentioned a few IPOs in a few different sectors there, healthcare, hospitality and beauty. In which other sectors is new issuance possible or, or expected? Yeah, we could we could still see some uh, more issuance from from those sectors you mentioned. Um, oil and gas is another area where we're starting to hear some chatter about um, some companies that are looking to to IPO this year. Uh, semiconductors that'll be one of the biggest IPOs uh, that's expected later this year would be uh, Arm, uh, which is the semiconductor company from the UK. Yeah, and I think I think the the UK bankers will be pretty miffed that it's not listing here in the UK in London. Yeah, that's right. And uh, what's interesting about ARM is N- Nvidia, which is a, a very large semiconductor company, they actually um, expressed interest in buying ARM a, a few years ago, and that really sort of uh, highlighted the type of asset that ARM is, and um, it's it's really created a lot of interest and enthusiasm for the ARM ARM IPO. We've spoken a few times before, Troy, about SPACs or special purpose acquisition companies, which boomed in the US in 2021. What's the situation with SPAC listings at the moment? Yeah, SPACs have have not fared well. Um, After the speculative craze around SPACs that we saw in 2021, um, they really the market really shut down to a large degree, namely because of uh, regulatory scrutiny that the um, U.S. securities or uh, that the U.S. SEC um, started to place on SPACs. And they've, they've they proposed a number of rules that um, could impact how both SPACs are structured and as well as how investors um, might trade them. And uh, an even larger issue is the sort of legal liabilities around those involved in them. So that's really sent a chill through the market. And um, we have not seen very much new issuance in, in the SPAC market at all. Um, I think there's only been a handful of deals uh, thus far in 2023. Um, but we are seeing some M&A activity from SPACs. So a lot of those SPACs that went public in 2021, uh, many of them are still around and they're looking for M&A targets. So um, there, there is some deal activity happening there. 
and they they've shown themselves to be you know um, real players in the M and A market, and you know buyers that other other bidders have to account for. Thank you. And let's finish off by looking ahead to the rest of 2023. Can you explain what's expected to drive ECM deals in the latter part of the year? And can you give us any names that might list this year? You mentioned that there might be a few in the oil and gas space, plus Arm, the semiconductor company owned currently by SoftBank. Yeah, that's right. So um, there is a lot of enthusiasm building for the rest of the for the ECM market for the rest of this year. And that's namely because we've seen um, some of these more recent IPOs or the IPOs in 2Q and beginning of Q3 that have performed well. So uh, now that we're starting to see some strong pricing, uh, there are more and more businesses that are beginning to um, prepare for IPOs, hire advisors, and get their paperwork in order for IPOs later this year. And um, yeah, as you mentioned, Arm is, is, is a big one. Um, there's a few restaurant companies that are looking to, to follow Cava Group out. Uh, those would include Fogo Hospitality, which is a Brazilian steakhouse. Um, there's also a Korean barbecue chain called Jin Restaurant Group that has registered for an IPO in the U.S. Uh, Panera Bread and Twin Peaks um, are also uh, expected to go public, uh, if not this year, possibly beginning of next year. Uh, Additionally, we recently saw uh, Liquid Death, which is a type of energy drink. Uh, They just hired a a bank for an IPO in early 2024. So there is activity that's just beginning to, to kind of stir up right now, and we expect that to continue throughout the year. Great, thank you. I'm not sure I'll be trying Liquid Death anytime soon. Troy, good to chat. Thanks very much. That was Troy Hooper, who's head of pre-event equity capital markets for Merger Market in the US. Thanks for listening to Dealcast presented by Merger Market and SS&C Intralinks. Please rate, review and follow the podcast. You'll find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or look out for your Merger Market news alert. For more information, have a look at our show notes. Join us again next week.